Uh, Nikki and I have known Tim and Beck for oh, probably a dozen years or so now. Met them through Edge Church and Edge Conference and all of the, uh, the various activities that have taken place over many years. If you've been in the church for a number of years, uh, Tim and Beck actually came across to minister oh, probably six, seven years ago when we were a year or so old, a couple of buildings ago. And uh, we've stayed in touch over the years, love them dearly. And they've been here for the weekend and we've had some good, good meals and good laughs and good fun. And now we want to ask him and invite him to really share the word of God with us. So please make him very, very welcome. And, uh, and for Beck and their two little girls as well, Eliza, who's sitting there quietly, and little Lucy, I think she's gone out to be with the other kids. So, and number three on its way. So bless them all. Why don't you make them feel really welcome? Good morning. How are you? Good. Is this Samuel down the front? Is it Samuel? Samuel is 21 today. Congratulations, Samuel. Happy birthday. All the way from India. Man, alive. You're a long way from home. I thought I was bad. I'm from Adelaide. You're here from India. And isn't it great to be a part of the family of God, huh? It's awesome. Awesome. Doesn't matter where you are in the world that you have family. And I think that that is absolutely awesome. Why don't we pray this morning and ask God, I know that Tim has uh, already, but I would just love to pray because I need to. And uh, we just ask God to just come and bless us this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word today. Lord, we thank you that it is alive, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, I thank you that, um, that you have a purpose for it this morning. And Father, we open our hearts, we open our lives, we open our minds, Lord God, we push away the the busyness and the things of this week, Lord God, our own perceptions, our own thoughts. Father, and we look to you this morning, we thank you that you are on the throne, we thank you that you are reigning, we thank you that you're ruling, we thank you that you're building your church. Father, we thank you that the gates of hell will never ever prevail against your church. Father, you'll promise and say that you will build your church, Father, and so it will continue to flourish and grow. So Father, this morning, I thank you that your church is made up of individual people, and so Father, I pray that today you would bless your people, Father, and pray that you would just... Anoint my words today, Father. I pray that they would bring forth fruit in people's lives. Father, I thank you that your word is anointed and we ask in faith, believing, Lord God, that you will achieve your purpose today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I feel really, um, look, I'm six foot four and I, you know, I feel kind of like way up here. So can I, can I get, maybe Andy, can I get you to just take this down? Is that all right? Are you okay if I come and preach down there? Is that okay? Sorry. Uh, just kind of feeling like, ah, that's better. <laughs> that's kind of cool. I, we, um, by way of introduction, I, I have worked for the last uh, 12 years as a part of Edge Church. I've actually stepped off staff uh, February this year. And I'm currently working in an employment agency. I'm finding jobs for, uh, for unemployed people, which is really interesting. You get all kinds of people that are coming through the door. And generally, the people that I come and talk to, they're sitting down. And it's kind of like, I feel really bad because I walk up and I say, Hi, how are you? It's great to see you today. <laughs> I see these people kind of gazing into the nostril hairs of my nose. It's kind of like, oh, hi, how you doing? I just kind of get, get down the level because for who I am, I'm the kind of person, you know, I don't know. I just want to be where people are at. You know, I think that that's where Jesus was. I think he lived where everybody lived, you know. And uh, anyway, that's me. This morning, I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19 and verses 13 and 15. Kind of put a finger in there. Just two passages of scripture we're going to look at this morning. 
And uh, can I say thank you to you guys? I don't know you from Barasoap. Hi, I'm Tim. Al and Samantha. Um, great job this morning. Great job. You guys need to... Um, the, the sense of the presence of God, the heart of worship in the house is, is absolutely awesome. And that's reflective of, uh, of you as people, you know. Um, you walk into a, into a church and uh, the heart of worship is, is dependent upon the, the readiness and the openness of people. So I just want to encourage you this morning and, and, and bless you because it's, uh, it's great to walk in this morning and you, you just feel like you're home, you know, and it's uh, when you step into the presence of God, thanks for your sensitivity and that's awesome. So, okay, Matthew chapter, ni- Matthew chapter 19 and also um, I want you then kind of put a finger in, uh, in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, which is where we're going to spend most of this morning. But Matthew chapter 19, just want to read to you. Um, and uh, a passage, short passage from here, it says this in verse 13. It says, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me, don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hand on their heads and blessed them before he left. Just had a bit of a random thought just then. Now, uh, we couldn't have kids for about five years, and then God, basically the doctors told us we weren't able to have kids, and then God had another plan. And um, five years, uh, no, three years ago, Lucy's three Years ago, we had, our, uh, we had our first little girl, Lucy, and now, obviously, we have Eliza, and uh, our third little boy is uh, on the way and due in November, so we're very excited about that. Um, having kids has been a very interesting journey. I loved life, and uh, we were really looking forward to having kids, but how many of you know, having kids, it's kind of got this picture that is, like, awesome. You know, kids, it's fantastic, and having them running around and coming up to you saying, Daddy, how art thou? You're so good-looking, and what would you like me to do for you today, Father? Uh, I don't know about you, my kids don't do that. Um, I think that that's kind of why these parents were going, Jesus, please, please touch our children. I think that would go, I think you standing between a desperate parent and some kind of glimmer of hope that these parents were having saying, please, God, you've got to touch my kids because I need help here today, and the disciples go, no, 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 come on, this is Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, you don't get between a, mother, a frustrated mother who's trying to get to Jesus. Uh, that's not cool. Jesus steps out of the way. No, no, no. Look, you need to understand that there is something happening here at the moment. You need to understand he takes and seizes the moment and like the amazing way in which Jesus does, turns a, a simple, in some ways, kind of random moment and turns it into this deep, profound teaching that has echoed throughout the years and echoes throughout the centuries and today lands in our lap to be able to speak to us about um, the simplicity of what he wants to share with us today. And Jesus in this moment says, no, 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 let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these little children. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these little children. The kingdom of heaven is owned by little kids, by those who are like little children. The thing I love about little kids, I love about um, my kids is when I do come home at night, I walk through the door and all I hear is, Daddy, 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 Daddy's home, woohoo! You know, and it's just, let me tell you, it is the highlight of my day. It, yeah, that's Beck. Uh, it doesn't, <laughs> there's a sense of relief. Uh, someone else to pass the children. You know, it's, 
it's kind of like that sense of, I watch my little girl, I watch Lucy, and she sit there and she stare up at me. There's that sense of awe and wonder about everything around about her. There's a sense that you as parents can do anything that you wish, anything that you like. I mean, for us, you're sitting down watching television and you see Lucy and she's kind of like sitting there and we'll, she thinks that TV is like, well, maybe if you've got TiVo, this works, but we don't. So she thinks television is like a DVD. So she'll be watching one of her shows and it will stop and say, Mum, let's watch that again. Sweetie, I can't, I, can't, I can't put that show back on. No, 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 put the show back on. I want to watch Dora again. No, 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 you don't understand. It's like this understanding that you as parents, you hold the remote control. You can do anything you like. And in a child's mind, there is this sense of awe and wonder and expectation and simplicity of faith that... Um, inspires. And, and Jesus in this moment looks at and highlights and says, guys, if you want to know who owns the kingdom of God, it's those that maintain that kind of attitude. It's those that maintain. They're the ones that own. The, they're the ones that have ownership. They're the ones that the kingdom of heaven belongs to. Is those that have that kind of maintain that sense of awe and that sense of wonder. And, and the thing that is so prevalent about little kids is the simplicity of their faith. The, to me, uh, um, and I've shared this with quite a few people, I've shared this with, with Tim and Nikki, and there's a book that a friend of mine gave me a little while ago, and if you ever get a chance to get a hold of it, I would encourage you to do so. It's called The Simple Church, and it's been an absolute um, challenge to me personally. It's kind of um, stirred me to bring things back in a lot of ways, to be able to look past some of the things that have, for me, kind of clouded my perspective and over a period of time, and I feel like and when I talk to other people and when I hear other messages being preached recently, I, I don't believe it's just for me. I believe that there is right across and right around the world, there is this sense where God's saying, you know what, it's time to come back. Uh, it kind of got busy and things kind of somewhere along the line got a little bit clouded, but it's time to bring it back to the simplicity of what it's all about. It's, it's time to bring it back to the simplicity of it, it's your blood that just washes me away, washes my sin away. It, it, it's, that's all I need at the end of the day. It's, there's nothing but that. Do you know, there's so many things that um, we as people, we, we have this innate ability. You know, even as little kids, our world starts out so simple. And yet as we grow, we gain knowledge and understanding. And suddenly our, everything becomes complicated. We have this innate ability to be able to complicate everything in our world. Have, have you ever gone into McDonald's lately? I haven't. Lord, forgive me. Um, I hate going to McDonald's now. Do you know, because I think that those little boards up there, I think either the writing's getting smaller or they're widening those boards because it seems like McDonald's launched a new burger wrap, some kind of contortion thing, salad, whatever, every single conceivable week. It's like, this is new. This is a new thing out. on, And it's like, you walk in there and it's like, you used to walk in and go, oh, I want a Big Mac, because that's kind of all they had, do you know? And now it's like, 
it's like it's so confusing i'm just like i'm over this i can't handle it anymore i still go there but anyway um you know if you thought about you know you order a coffee when i I lived in america for about 18 months one of the things that drove me crazy about america was the 50 million questions you get when you order something any of you have ever been there it's like you order a salad what kind of dressing would you like on that would you like ranch would you like this would you like mayonnaise would you like mustard would you i'm like i just want a salad Alan, you want a coffee? Would you like a latte? Would you like a macchiato? Would you like a double shot, long, black, skinny mocha with five sugars? You know what? He's got so many flipping options. It's like, can you just do me? I just want a coffee. I just, I just want a coffee. And we understand our world. There's so many options that are available to us. But one of the things, if you look at some of the businesses that have actually understood this and picked up, you know. Jesus actually said, the Bible says that you know, sometimes the children of the world are wiser than the children of light. And you know, interestingly, if you look at successful businesses, the ones that are, are doing well, it's interesting if you look at what their models are. Because their model is, is what they're trying to do is, is actually they're trying to make things more simple. What's the most successful search engine on the internet? Google. Why? Because it's simple. Because you open it up, there's one thing on the page. You have to fight for 50 million things to look at. You don't have to fight for, like, oh, what am I supposed to do? What am I, you know, no, they're successful. Why? Because they've understood people don't want millions of options. They just want it simple. They understood. Um, one of the most frustrating things in life with regard to your car, it's insurance. I hate insurance. I'm sorry if you're an insurance broker here this morning. You know, you got insurance, it's like, do I have this kind of cover, that kind of cover? What, you notice now, SGIC, what's their whole thing? Unworry. What are they trying to do? Make it simple for you. Um, I, did, I said this, I spoke this about this once before, and, uh, and this is kind of funny, actually. I said, you know, what's the most successful technological gadget of our generation? The? Oh, my. The? The iPod. The iPod. And... What's the, what, what's the thing about it? I said, it's simple. And I got almost shouted down from the crowd. <laughs> there was a whole generation of people that said, I can't understand those things. <laughs> but the reality is, is that for, uh, um, I've got my little, uh, she's, she's even playing with it now. Uh, I was watching with my 18, no, 16-month-old little girl this morning. Uh, turns on my phone and then unlocks it and knows exactly what to do. I'm sitting there going, that's ridiculous. You're 16 months old. What is with that? Uh, I know people that pick up my phone have no idea what to do with it, you know. But the reality is, is that if you want to make it work now, you've got to make it simple. The, the funny thing is in the same is in the kingdom of God. When God started out the plan, the purpose, he sets up this massive garden, does all this kind of stuff as far as gives to mankind this amazing opportunity and incredible, um, incredible scope and, and range for him to be able to live and live life and live it to the best. And he gives one thing. He, he doesn't give him multitudes of things. He just says, here, this tree in the middle of the garden, just don't eat from that. It's not complicated, is it? It's not rocket science. He just says, here, this one tree. Now, 
I kind of think, because you read that story and it says that when the serpent came to Eve, he, you know, he asked her the question. He says, no, 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 we're not allowed to eat of that. We're not allowed to even touch the fruit on that tree. You know, I've heard kind of people preach and, you know, say, well, you know, she now distorts the story because they weren't told that they couldn't touch it. They were just told that they couldn't eat it. Well, I've got another perspective on that because I think what happened was is that because Eve wasn't around when God gave the message, it wasn't told them about the tree. They're not, you know, they weren't able to eat from the tree. And so Adam was the one who had to pass that information on. And I think as a husband, um, you know, he was kind of like, see that tree there? He said, we can't eat it. In fact, I don't want you to even touch it. In fact, I don't want you to even go near that tree, you know, <laughs> because it's like we kind of have this thought that we've got to set boundaries just to kind of protect, you know. Um, there wasn't a sense that we, we think, okay, well, that's what we're not supposed to do. So we just, okay, protect everything else. So we've got to back up and build these massive boundaries because at the end of the day, sometimes what happens is that we don't trust relationship. We don't trust the love of what God puts in our heart. And obviously we know what happened there and then you take it through time. Amazing when I actually did some research on this, I found out that the Pharisees, by the time Jesus came and uh, came to the earth, the Pharisees had... 614 different commands for people to live by. They had taken the 10 and they had taken it to 614 different commands. So you've got to understand that there was 248 that you were required to do, 365, one for every single day of the year. These are the things that you are not supposed to do. How did they come up with the number of 614? It's the number of actual digits in the 10 commandments. So they take the Ten Commandments and go, okay, there's all these little, there's all these little symbols in there. So that's, that's 614. So, okay, we'll make up 614 rules for people to live by. And you think, here's God. God's going, hey, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, guys. I gave you one rule in the garden. Then, okay, we ruined that. So, we, okay, I gave you 10, just 10 to live by. Suddenly we've turned it into 614. You wonder why people are going, oh, my gosh, how am I supposed to get to God? How am I supposed to build a relationship with God? And Jesus comes onto the scene in Matthew 22 and he says... Guys, listen to, listen to me. The reality of it is this. Matthew 22, Jesus says, All the law and all the prophets are hung up on these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. What's he doing? He's removing the clutter. He's removing all the distortion and all the, pro, and all the, the complication of it all and saying, guys, no, 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 you've got to understand. It's just coming back to the simplicity of it's just love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul and strength and love your neighbors yourself. If you do that, then you'll capture all of the others. It's his simple, the simpleness of what he wanted us and how he wanted us to live. And so he's brought us back and and if you look at Jesus' life, time after time after time, the Pharisees would try and bring their, you know, their ways and try and make it all complicated again. And every time, Jesus just simply gives them the simple answer that totally blows them away. And yet, for us, I think, and a lot of times, I think even for myself, when I look at my own life, generally when I try to make it complicated is when I don't, when his simple answer doesn't fit with my kind of life or my journey. Because sometimes he says, no, 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 just obey me. And I go, no, 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 but you don't understand my circumstance. You don't understand what's happened. And you don't understand the circumstance. You don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand what was said about me. No, no, no. Jesus just says, no, no, forgive. It's that simple. It's not about all the stuff. 
I remember sitting with someone recently and they rattled off all of this stuff. And they're going, yeah, and this person and they did that and they did this and they did that. And, and so what am I supposed to do? And I'm sitting there and I'm going, I'm really sorry that that's happened to you. But at the end of the day, he just simply says, forgive. And sometimes I understand because we've all been there. We've all been hurt. We've all had, sometimes that's really confronting. But it's the simple things in life that bring about the greatest release. It's the simple things. I know in my own life, there's things that I've struggled and battled with and I try to do things my own way. And I remember one particular day, I just really felt like God just, it's time, it's time to do this the right way. I talked about, opened some stuff up. And you know what? I was sitting there, I'm going, God, this was so easy. In some ways, I'm sitting on the other side, so released and so free. And yet all it took was me just to simply obey. It wasn't hard. There is so much in the Word of God that I believe where Jesus brings us back to the simplicity of what He asks us and what He calls us to do. And, you know, there is, um, for me, this has kind of been a, a real journey. And I'm looking at a whole bunch of different facets to this, uh, to this journey of simplicity and things like um, simple trust and simple obedience and having a simple purpose. But the one I want to talk to you about this morning is, is Jesus' simple priority. Having a simple priority. Luke 9, sorry, Luke 19 and 1 to 10. Are you doing okay with this? Is this all right? If I go too fast, then um, please tell me. Because I have a habit of (laughs) running away. All right? Thank you very much, Andy. Luke 19. Cool. Um, Can't read Matthew 19 because that won't work. Luke 19. Verses 1 through to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector in the region, and he became very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house and in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased he had gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. What was Jesus' priority on the earth? What was the thing that he came to do? It's probably about, if you actually, it's a great little word study to do. I encourage you to have a look at it because there's about four times when Jesus says that I came to do this or I came to do Only four, that's it. But I want to hone in this one this morning because he just simply breaks down all the stuff. Why, Jesus, are you here? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? All these questions that would be raised about him as a person. And Jesus just simply says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost, those who are lost. Jesus' priority was simply and purely to try and find those that were lost, those who were, had been um, who had fallen out of the faith, those who didn't know God, weren't in relationship with God anymore. Jesus cuts through all the speculation and conjecture to declare exactly why he's here. To me, I want to look at, to help us to be able to build this principle in our own lives, and there's some of the things I just want to share with you this morning, highlight some of the, 
I guess some of the characters that are in this story, I kind of want to break this story down this morning because for me, this is a challenge uh, for my own life. Because I live where you live and, and even more so now, and that's probably been one of the great things about stepping back into a work environment. Because I've worked for 11 years, 12 years in the life of a church, and now I start work at 8.30 every morning and uh, finish at 5, 5.30. Um, I work in a, in a secular environment with um, a whole bunch of variety of people, and, uh, and it's been so good because um, sometimes I think for myself, to be honest with you, being within church walls for, you, you get kind of, we've been a, been a part of a, a successful, a large church, and there's always a lot happening. Um, and sometimes the challenge is, is that, um, while we as a church are here to reach the lost, sometimes in your own personal life, you're like, how, where am I getting the time to actually rub shoulders with someone who doesn't know Jesus? Because uh, here I am and I'm just spending all my time with all the people that do, which is kind of cool. But at the end of the day, Jesus' priority, he came to seek and save those who were lost. So somewhere along the line, you've got to be able to be and rubbing shoulders and building connection. And for me, I'm absolutely loving it. I'm loving the opportunity to be able to mixing and, and, and connect with people that I never would have had before. And watching them and seeing how their perspective is about, about, um, about Jesus and about the church and uh, some really interesting discussions. And, and uh, it's just, yeah, it's been absolutely amazing. But in this passage, there's been some things, I've come back to this, because I actually preached this message some time ago, and God's kind of brought it back to me and shown me and revealing to me things in this whole journey that can help me to be able to make, take, make sure that I make, make the priority, the main priority, the main priority still. That I can keep that thing as a central focus, because if that was Jesus' priority, I want it to be my priority. Amen? I want it to be my priority. So let's look at a few of the people in here. First of all, there's the need. There's the, there's, the, there's the person who's involved. There's Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is, a, in some ways, again, it's one of those situations where Jesus takes a, an instance and turns it into a, a teaching session because here's a guy um, and he represents, to a degree, a, a generation because um, the, the reality was is that he was, he was sure. He wasn't like me. He was like this high. He was, you know, he's... Uh, has amazing wealth and has everything that you would kind of perceive, and yet his growth, his development is stunted. What he is on the outside is a picture of what a lot of people are on the inside. See, there's a generation out there that for some reason or another, their growth, their development, what God intended them to be has been stunted. It has been stopped. It's been limited. You see, I hear it day in, day out in, in my lunchroom. I'm surrounded by single mums who have done it hard. One of my, my managers, she, her husband broke her nose. Uh, she, you know, um, he ended up leaving. And um, her, one of my other colleagues, uh, um, her husband ran off with her best friend's daughter. You know, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, you know, it's just these incredible stories. And for me, I'm sitting there going, God, you hear this day in and day out. There was this generation, and I hear and see their perspective, and part of me kind of goes, I found myself first off, I found myself kind of reacting a bit, and then I realized, you know what? It's just because of life, it's stunted their growth. They've been damaged, and they've been hurt, and they've been broken, but all of us have in some way, shape, or form. And the only thing that's lifted us, the Bible says, it lifted us out of that miry clay, lifted us out of that pit, was our relationship with Jesus. 
That's what he wants to do with us. And so Zacchaeus is here and represents a generation of people that are out there that you and I pass by every single day. They're the person at the checkout. They're the, they're the guy that uh, takes your ticket on the bus. They're the guy who um, serves you at McDonald's. They're the guy who uh, gives you your coffee. It's the person you live next to, the person that you wave to when you come home at night and you, know, you see them as your neighbor. The reality is, is that every one of those people matter to God. And I, for my, own, for my own journey, am loving the fact that God has placed me in the midst of, again, afresh to be able to catch a fresh passion to see the world around about me. Because Jesus' passion was to come and to seek and to save that which was lost. Because I think sometimes, like I say, we get so busy with all of the, the stuff in our own Christian world and experience, it takes all of our energy away from the thing and the, and the priority that Jesus asked us to do was, you know, there's a lost and dying world out there. You've seen Jesus. You've, you've tasted of Jesus. You've now, you've caught him in your own heart. So what's in you, there's enough inside of you to be able to share that with those around about you. Sitting there and I'm looking out at you and if I can be honest with you, I kind of feel like I'm home. So forgive me if I be naughty, all right? Do you know when I hear messages like this, I've sat in plenty of meetings and heard people talk about developing a passion for the lost and I've sat there and thought, yeah, you know, I missed that opportunity. Man, I just need to get out more. Man, I can't believe that I'm just getting so caught up in my own world. Jesus, I just don't know what to say, though. I don't, know, I don't know how to reach people. I don't know what I should do. I know I should be doing so much more. Any of those thoughts going through your head this morning? Because that's where I live. I'm so busy. i got my kids. I come home. and I, How am I supposed to? And what we do is we hear a, a statement like, Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. And we translate it across to activity. We think we've got to do more. But the reality is, is that's not what Jesus is saying. So my challenge to you is remove that thought, capture that thought, rem- take that thought away, because that's not what Jesus is talking about in this story. Because when you read it through and you look at what he did, that's not what he did. He's just walking through the city. He's just walking through the city, surrounded by this bustling mass of people that's stopping Zacchaeus to actually be able to see him. I'll come back to that in a minute. The second thing, the second character we look at in this story is the sycamore tree. Verse 3 to 4, it says, He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. The reason why I want to highlight the sycamore tree is because when I first preached this message, I was so blown away. I did some research and some study into the life of the sycamore tree. And uh, it showed me some amazing, some amazing things. Because here's Jesus and he's, as I mentioned before, he's got this mass and this crowd of people that are just kind of surrounding in around about him. And here's one guy who really wants to see Jesus. And yet there's all these people that are seeing him face to face. And yet Jesus isn't stopping for them. They're all actively just trying to get close, touch, be a part of the crowd. Yeah, when I thought about this, I thought, you know, so often, and this is why I love the worship this morning, because so often worship can become this big hype thing of, Jesus, I just need to see you more, and we're kind of trying to 
push in there to, oh, to yeah, God, I need. And we, again, worship becomes this thing of activity and trying to strive. And James just simply says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. You don't have to strive. This morning, we only strive because we don't embrace the simplicity of what he says. You're forgiven. You have free access this morning. You can come freely and stand before him. He welcomes you with open arms. But if you're like me, you live at the same address, you think about all the things that you've done wrong. You go, God, oh, yeah, I've got to try and push in more. It's, yeah, yeah. And God's just, and that was all those people. That was all those people kind of trying to push in. And, and the amazing thing was is that all those people, and sometimes I think that this is what the church can become, we use all of our energy because we don't just embrace the simplicity of Jesus just says, come to me. We don't rest in that. We, we, all our energy gets taken up in trying to pray more and read more and do all this kind of breakthrough and, and we're doing all this kind of stuff and end up what we do is become this crowd around Jesus and there's a little guy stunted on the outside that's actually trying to see him but he can't see through the crowd that actually has got relationship with him but they're just so busy striving to actually try and get his attention that they're actually forgetting about the guy that's on the outside. You see... That's the danger. That's why I think that the devil wants a lot of us to stay in that place of, yeah, you know what, just, you know, got to pray more. You got to read your Bible more. You got to push in there more. Uh, when I look at the simplicity of what Jesus is, he's, he's done it all. I don't have to strive. I just simply have to rest in what he has done. Yes, I have to make that choice to be able to choose to serve him and to follow him. But at the end of the day, it's not about what I've done. It's about what he's done. So here's Zacchaeus, and he's thinking, how can I get to see Jesus? So he looks for this tree. The, the roads in those days were, followed, were, were littered by these big sycamore trees. And I was thinking about it, and as I said before, as I did some study on it, the amazing thing about the sycamore tree is this, is here he is just climbing up, and I just had this picture of it. They're kind of like a, um, a mulberry tree. Have you ever seen a mulberry tree? We have a mulberry tree in our backyard. We, when we first bought our house, we almost chopped it down because it looked dead. There's this massive big... <laughs> dead kind of group of branches. It's a huge tree. And, um, but everybody who comes to a house goes, that's a great, ha- great tree for a cubby house because it just kind of spreads its, its branches out everywhere. And, and, uh, and you look at this thing, but come summertime, come it's kind of spring, just suddenly it's just, it's almost like in an instant, it's covered in leaves and there's just this massive green coverage and it's an amazing tree. And then the mulberries come in and it's, oh man, unbelievable. Anyway, we won't go there, stay focused. The, and the, you know, the, um, the amazing thing about the sycamore tree is this, is that when I did some research in the, in, the, um, in the Middle East, the incredible thing about this tree is, is that it pushes its branches out, but obviously there are a lot of sandstorms and the, and the winds blow against um, all of the, the flora of that area. And so what happens is, is you get these massive shifts in sand and you'll get a, a, a sycamore tree that will have its branch and it'll shoot its branch out quite low, but then what happens is the sand will start to come and accumulate and it'll build up and build up and build up and all this stuff will get dumped onto the branches of this tree. And the tree does an amazing thing. Rather than it actually shriveling, shriveling up and, and you know, 
succumbing to the things that are being dumped upon it. It just makes a simple decision and makes a simple shift in its DNA. God's wired it to do this simple thing. And what it does is it shifts and changes a branch and suddenly it starts to shoot down roots. And suddenly now what was a branch suddenly becomes a root to be able to give it a structure, to be able to maintain it for greater growth and greater development. And then it shoots up another branch out of the stuff that's been dumped upon it. And it, um, and it, strengthens its base and it becomes, uh, it grows higher, it grows stronger, it grows greater than it ever was before. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know, the Bible doesn't waste a word, so why does it mention a sycamore tree? And the thing that got me was this, and this is, I have to be honest with you, because I... <clears throat> I was debating over and praying over and what I was going to share with you. And I have to honestly say that I believe that this is a word for you, that this is a, a picture for you as a church to be able to grab hold of in the heart of the church this morning. That, you know, that the picture of the sycamore tree is an amazing picture. It's something that I believe that God wants to encourage you with, that God wants to build into your heart this morning on an individual basis, but also as a church, that though the winds have blown, though the sand has come, though the things that have been dumped in some ways against you and on top of you, the amazing thing about that is it's those things that enable the sycamore tree to be able to push to whole new levels and realms so that what it became was a vehicle for a man who was stunted in his growth to finally be able to come and see Jesus. You see, so often we don't understand. In my life, I'm only 37. <laughs> I'm at that point now that I can't even remember my own age. That's so bad, isn't it? I'm 37 years of age. 37 years of age, I'm not ancient yet. I'm a young man. And, uh, I, um, but I've lived enough of life and been around enough in church life and just in life to know that life is not always rosy. There are things that blow against you from time to time and season to season that sometimes it seems like, you know what, I'm just covered in a whole bunch of sand here. God, what is going on? And if we become insular and we ask all the questions and perspectives, we just become, we look inward and we can shrivel and we can succumb to that thing. But God is saying, no, 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 understand that, you know what, it may not have been my ideal. It may not have been the, my purpose because, yeah, I would have loved you just to be able to grow into this beautiful tree. But maybe you never would have grown to the height that I wanted you to grow so that someone else could benefit from that and be able to see Jesus if I didn't put some sand up alongside you and build and strengthen your roots so that you had, a, had the ability to be able to cause people to be able to see Jesus from another perspective. This morning, I want you just even right now, just to be able to bow your head right where you are, just right across here. Please, I, I know there's people here this morning and I know that there has been some challenges. So that's, uh, you know, that's to me is not something that um, is new, but I just want to encourage some people here this morning. If that's you today, I just love to pray, pray for you. I just want to pray for you that God would cause you to be able to see afresh, that you would be able to, that He would enable you by His grace to be able to understand that you maybe don't see it just yet, but there is a reason, there is a purpose that God has to be able to cause those things that maybe have come against you, that blown up against you, things maybe that have been dumped upon you. Maybe it's years ago, maybe it's not now, maybe it's things in the past. You're going, God, why is that? Today, God wants to be able to cause shoots to come and rise to a new level. Cause those things to actually become things that ground you more and stabilize you more so that you can then grow to a whole new level so that you can become something, someone, a support structure for someone else so that they can see Jesus. If that's you this morning, I just simply want you to raise your hand right where you are. If you could, that'd be fantastic. Thanks. Awesome. Awesome. Anyone else? 
fantastic, brilliant. Awesome. Father, today, I thank you, Lord God. Father, I thank you that, Lord God, that you would encourage each and every one of these people today. Father, I pray that they would have, through your grace, the ability, Lord God, to be able to place those things at your feet. Lord, whatever they are, Lord, I thank you that you are amazing and that you have the ability. Your word says in Jeremiah that those, Lord God, who trust in you, you said your word says that you'll, they'll be like those planted along a riverbed who, whose roots run down deep. And Father, I pray that you would cause them to go through new levels in you. Father, I pray that this would become, though it'd be difficult, though it'd be hard. Father, I pray that you would use it and cause it to be something, Lord God, that someone else, Lord God, that it becomes a, a vehicle, Lord, a, something that upholds someone else for them to be able to see Jesus in a new way. Father, I pray you bless each and every one of these people today in Jesus' name. You see, the, um, the third person that we see, the third character that we see in this passage is, is Jesus. The incredible thing is, is that, that I love about this passage is that he sees the one. He sees the one in the midst of the crowd, in the midst of the busyness, in the midst of the stuff. He stops for the one. As I said before, sometimes we think that it's, the scripture is all about activity. It's all about us doing more to try and seek and save the lost. We're going to strive and make something happen and, you know, make and coordinate all this stuff. And, but it's not what Jesus, what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about perception. He's talking about what do you see? You see, because in the midst of the busyness and in the midst of the crowd, you see, those roads were, were lined with sycamore trees. And I don't know about you, but majority of people who climb trees are kids. So in the midst of all the kids that are hanging out in the trees, here's the richest man in town. In the midst of the simplicity, the, the, the ones, remember where we started, Matthew 19, the, one, the ones with sense of awe and wonder who, you know what, they don't worry about trying to, what their clothes are going to look like. They don't worry about all the stuff. It's just, I'm going to get up in the tree. It's just kind of fighting to get over the crowd so that they can see Jesus. And here they are. And in the midst of that, there's Zacchaeus. And I'm looking at it going, Jesus says, I've come to seek and save that. Which I say, I'm thinking he's walking along and he goes, Whoa, that's different. Kid, 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 rich dude, <laughs> nice clothes, smells nice, surrounded by stinky kids, all dirty. Well, something's different here. And he sees something and he stops and says, Zacchaeus, today I'm coming to your house. To me, you know what? I came to seek and save those who are lost. It's all about one thing it's about perspective. One thing I've realized about being <clears throat> where I am and doing what I'm doing now, so I've realized that God's work is not confined to these four walls. Sometimes we think, oh God, we pray, God, move on people's hearts, move on people's lives. And we need to pray for people. We need to pray for people that we love. And, that we, and I'm not minimizing that, but do you know what? He loves every single one of those people that walking and driving past this building today. He knows every single one of them by name. He knows all about them. He knew them before they were formed in their mother's womb. He knows everything about them. And he's working in their life something to be able to bring them so that they can come to know Jesus. I have to believe that. I have to hold on to that. Because that's who my God is. So it's not about me trying to manipulate or trying to create some circumstance. No, it's just simply about me watching and seeing, okay, God, what are you doing? 
having the eyes to see and perceive, God, where are you working? Because there was something that God was doing in Zacchaeus' life because he was ostracized from the Roman world. He was ostracized from his own people. He was successful on the outside, and yet somewhere inside of him was this yearning to say, I need to be accepted somehow because I've been rejected by everybody else around about me. Yeah, I have success. Yeah, I have all the nice stuff. I have the plasma. I have the Wii. I have the Xbox. I have the house at Torquay. I have, you know, I have all the stuff, but I'm empty on the inside. So I'm going to climb this tree and I'm going to get to see, because somewhere I've got to believe that there is something in this man called Jesus. And he puts himself in a place. Maybe it's not someone sitting in a tree, but maybe it's a statement that you hear one of your friends make. Maybe it's something that you see or hear them do, something, a book that they pick up, and it's about spirituality. And you think, so, rather than going, what are you doing reading a New Age book? Maybe they're reading a New Age book because somewhere inside of them there's a desire to know, you know what, there's more to life. And so that's your opportunity. That's your thing. What is it? It's changing our perspective. It's not trying to do more. It's trying to see, okay, what are the opportunities that God places in front of us? Jesus simply does this, and this is what I I love, and this is something that we want to build in our own home. I love it. Jesus doesn't say, okay, fantastic, Zacchaeus, come with me. We're going to the temple. So we're going to come, and we're going to sing four Hillsong songs, and then we're going to, you know, then we're going to take up an offering. You don't have to give, though. It's okay. Even though you're a rich man, it's all right. No, no, no. We're going to come, and then everyone's going to shake hands. We're going to have a cup of coffee. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love that. You're going to love our church because it's fantastic. You know what? All those things are brilliant. But you know what Jesus does? Jesus says, I'm coming to your house, buddy. He doesn't even say, I want to come over to my house because he doesn't have a house. <laughs> he just says, I'm coming to your house. He says, I'm going to be a part of you. I want to get in your world first. Before I take you to the synagogue, before I take you, I, I want to be where you are. I want to build a relationship with you on an individual basis. For us, we want to build a, a, a culture in our own home that if we're going to invite someone, bring someone to church, I want to have them in my home first. Because I want them to know us. I, I want them to see Jesus in us. Do you know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, they should see Jesus in me. And it doesn't have to be that they come to my house and we, yes, Lord, thank you for this food. No, I want them to see the relationship with my kids. I want us to see the fun, that, the joy, the, the sense of truth, the sense of integrity, the, the, the life that is in our home. And for them to go, that's something that I want. I, I want that. You see, I love it when, you know, we've had a couple of times when Bex brought the kids to, to my work and... They come in and they come running in. They're hungry, you know, giving me a cuddle and they're sitting there chatting away. And the other amazing thing about that, in the simplicity of that, uh, all majority, I think there's only one that has a solid home in my workplace. And you know, it's just simple and it seems like so minor. And yet, I watch their reaction as they as they watch, as they watch us. The fact that we have a solid home and the fact that that we have. There's a good relationship with our kids. And, you know, it's the simple things that actually speak volumes. And the thing is, is that everybody can do it. This morning, I want to, in some ways, encourage you. It doesn't matter. Everybody can do it. But the thing is, is the last one is, is the things that comes in is the doubters. The people who come and say, why are you doing that? There's always going to be the voices in your head going, you're going over and you're spending time with them and you're hanging out. Why are you doing that? Why do you, why you, you know, there's so much more that you're doing. There's so much more that we could be, uh, and there's so much activity that we could be doing. 
No, let's make the simple priority the simple priority. I came to seek and save those who were lost. I got really convicted the other night, and I share this not from a perspective of success, but rather than rather to actually show you a failure. Because sometimes as preachers, we get up and we, you can kind of walk away thinking, a preacher, man, they've just got it all together. These things are kind of burdening our heart. And the other day, we were driving to an appointment. It was a pretty significant appointment. We're driving along a busy road, and it was just Beck and I, and, and um, we're driving along this street, and we're kind of running on time. And uh, we're driving along, and <clears throat> suddenly out of the corner of my eye, I see this young girl. She would have been no more than 16, 15, probably. She's got a skirt that's kind of here, all black, kind of got a bag there. And she's, got a, she's smoking a cigarette, and she's hitchhiking, trying to get a ride. And I'm sitting there. These kind of things are burning in my heart. And in the midst of it, uh, I just... You know, it's a moment. And suddenly we're past her and it's only just kind of caught in the center of my eye. I'm like, do we turn around? Do we, what do we, what do, we do? Do we stop? Do we, and then it's kind of like, oh, we're running late. And we should really be there. And we kept going. Love to be able to tell you that I went back and picked her up and dropped her off. But the reality is, you know what? I didn't. Missed my opportunity. Don't live in guilt over it. But you know what it's done? Stirred me to go, you know what? I don't want to miss those opportunities anymore. I don't want to get so busy that oh, I've got to get to that appointment. I've got to get to this. that I miss and see what's actually going on on the side of the road. The person, the Zacchaeus, that's standing there going, I need to be picked up. I need to, can you stop? Will you, will you stop and will you be a part of helping me to be able to see Jesus? Can I get you guys to come back up? I just want to sing Hosanna just really quickly in closing. You know, I, um, I share that story with you because, like I said, I want you to understand that we live, I live where you live. And we learn the same way. Sometimes when you preach a message like this, like I said before, you can kind of think, oh, yeah, you know, it's about me doing more. Feel a sense of guilt, feel a sense of opportunities missed. That's not God's heart this morning for you. God's heart for you this morning is, is that church... First and foremost, the things that have happened to you, the things that have happened in your life, the challenges that have come, you may not understand them. You may not be able to put them into perspective just yet. But let me tell you, if you'll trust him, if you will trust him and put them in his, put them in his hand, you watch what he will do in and through those circumstances. You watch the people that he will bring. You watch the people that he will enable you to be able to be able to maybe lift up and to be able to cause them to be able to see Jesus in a way that they never knew before. Secondly, it's not about activity. It's not about striving to do more. It's just simply about having a new perspective. Simply about seeing the opportunity, seeing where he's working and partnering with that. Knowing that he's placed you at that point, at that time, to be able to take a hold so that someone else can be able to see Jesus. Amen. Is that all right? Is it good this morning? Is it encouragement to you? I think I want us to just stand and maybe just sing through this song, Hosanna, in closing, because of this, because at the end of the day, it's just simply about that whole thing. If you draw near to Him, then He'll break our heart.
cause us to see a world around about us that needs to see Jesus. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's sing that through. Sing that down. That'd be great. Thanks.